Hey everyone, it's Mary Swenson with Confidence and Poise. You're here for episode seven, what's a platform and mental health matters. If you're in the pageant world, you've probably heard the term platform. Uh, now we're not talking about shoes in this case, but we're talking about a cause, a charity, an organization, a project that you do that you feel really passionately about. So each pageant girl typically has a platform, or as they get more involved in pageants, they have their own platform. In the America system, it's also called social impact initiative, or it could be called your charity, volunteer service, community involvement project. But basically, it's just you advocating for a cause that you care about. So of course, when I competed back in the day, I did have a platform. It was called Confidence is Key, and it was all about helping girls develop a foundation of self-esteem, which is certainly something I'm still passionate to this day and something I really bring into confidence and poise. Self-esteem is huge, and that's a big focus. With that platform, one thing that I would do was holding self-esteem workshops, whether that be with Girl Scout troops or church groups or um, classrooms, holding self-esteem workshops, talking about what is self-esteem, how can we develop it, how can we foster it, and how can we support others in growing their own self-esteem. Another really easy way for girls to promote their platform is through social media advocacy. I wrote a blog called How to Become an Advocate from the Couch. Literally, you can have an Instagram account, a TikTok account, However many followers you have, you could be making a difference in the lives of five people or 500 people. So social media advocacy is definitely a huge part of pageant platform stuff today. I chose my platform way back when because self-esteem, confidence, all of that stuff has always been important to me. I was a dance instructor, so I saw it firsthand how important it was. And I've always been interested in self-help books, personal improvement, things like that. However, if I were to pick a platform nowadays, I would possibly choose something different. I mean, really, I come up with a new platform all the time, but um, there's definitely another cause that's really important to me. And sadly, I didn't go that route, you know, 10 plus years ago when I was competing because it was still a little bit taboo at the time. What I'm talking about here is mental health. The best platforms definitely have a personal connection. For me, I have a personal connection to mental health struggles, and I'll talk about that throughout this podcast. But when you're picking a platform, make sure that you care about it. It's something that you get excited talking about, something that you want to share with people. Pro tip here, the more you care about your platform, the better. A judge can tell if you're truly passionate about something and if it's a message that's coming from the heart. So you want to think hard about this and don't just pick something that comes uh, to your mind easily or don't pick something because, oh, I just, I've always done it at church or I've always done this with student council. Give it some thought. If you really had the opportunity to share a message with the world and make an impact, what would it be? As a coach, I do think it's strategic to have unique platforms at time, but bottom line, it's just got to be something you care about. So let's take little kids, for example. Many of them want to have platforms about animals. Totally okay, but maybe pick a unique angle, like your angle is reading to the animals at the Humane Society, or your angle is you take all of the dogs that are waiting to be adopted for walks every week. So it's not just, I fundraise for the Animal Humane Society. It's got something unique to it. It's the same kind of concept as Shark Tank or making inventions. You find a problem and you find a way to solve it. So I literally think of platforms all the time. This past winter and spring when I was visiting my sister and my dad in the hospital because they had both had strokes, I thought, wouldn't it be a great platform to pay for the parking of family members who go to the hospital. I mean, it's something small and it's just something that no one really thinks about. Another one I thought of was providing personal hygiene supplies 
in the bathrooms in high schools because I feel like sometimes girls don't have what they need or maybe they can't afford to buy their own supplies. Another pseudo platform I've been focused on before is cleanliness on social media for pageant title holders and for kids and teenagers of all varieties. Making sure that your social media content is age appropriate, is safe for all eyes. I think a lot of people forget that what's on the internet is on there forever and I sound like a total old person right now, but I really preach that with my pageant girls that whatever you're posting is there forever, whether you delete it or not. So there's another platform. Really, the options are endless. And that's another really beautiful part about pageants is that, yes, we like to wear gowns and we like to model. We like to give speeches. We like to be on stage. But we also like to help about things that we really care about. Back to mental health. As a person who works with young people of all ages, I'm so glad that the stigma of mental health is going away. Like I said, I I wouldn't have picked it 10 years ago because I would have feared people would think, wow, she's crazy or she's not capable of being the title holder because she has mental health struggles. Fortunately, that stigma is going away. Before I dive into my own personal journey, I want to give a little trigger warning here and a warning that I'm not a doctor, so I'm not giving you professional advice. Um, We will be talking about mental health, depression, OCD, anxiety, and suicide. Now being 34 years old, I can look back at my life and see how mental health has always kind of played a part. Um, I finally did seek help and get medication and a diagnosis when I was in college, so I have OCD and anxiety. But I think back and it started way long before that. It started when I was a kid. When I was young, I never really enjoyed vacations. I always just felt so much better, safe at home. If someone were to say something to me, I would be super sensitive. For example, we were in Deadwood, South Dakota, I believe, and I was sitting at a slot machine, which you're not allowed to do if you're not 21, apparently, or 18 or whatever the age is, and I was told to get up from the seat. And that whole vacation for me was basically ruined because I felt bad about it. It, And that's the thing with OCD and anxiety. You obsess about little things that don't necessarily matter. So I didn't really love vacations. I just preferred to be home where everything was safe and normal. Although I will say I did love Disney World vacations. So I think that probably attributes to some of my love of Disney World as an adult. It was a great magical escape and it even could take an anxious kid and make them feel happy and totally forget things. Another thing I would deal with is replaying situations or conversations over and over in my head. And to be honest, I just thought everybody did this. But now I realize that no, people don't obsess over little instances that happened and replay situations a thousand times over. Part of my OCD definitely had to do with having unreasonable fears about germs, contamination, catching diseases. And as I say it, it sounds completely illogical, but that's the thing with OCD or mental illness. It it tells your brain that it's not illogical. That's what it is. So I had a lot of obsessive thoughts about um, fears and germs and also obsessive thoughts about being religious or being good, doing the right thing, kind of having this altruism. A lot of times my brain was just going a million miles an hour and I just had a hard time calming it, quieting it. Another side effect that I think of OCD and anxiety was being cranky. I mean, I've been accused of being uptight or wound a little too tightly. I'm going to attribute that some of that to OCD and anxiety. It's easy to get irritable with people. 
I think back to some of my relationships and I'm like, wow, I probably started fights for no good reason because of my anxiety, because of my irritability, because of my irrational thoughts. As you can imagine, going to college definitely brought these issues to a head. Uh, Finally, I had had enough. I had enough feeling the way I was feeling. So I went to my general practitioner doctor. I got medication for anxiety and OCD, and I was also referred to a psychiatrist who I did see as well. Most recently, I've been working with a nurse practitioner at this place called Prairie Care, and I've had a great experience there. Um, I see her consistently about every six months, and the main thing that we talked about was medication management, just making sure that what I was taking was working for me. I did try talk therapy, and I'll admit it just wasn't for me at the time. I didn't love talking about my feelings, didn't love talking about my emotions and what I was going through, and part of me probably felt a little bit of shame or embarrassment, And I just kind of like to keep a lot of that to myself. So that wasn't for me, but I've definitely read a lot of books and listened to a lot of podcasts and done a lot of self-help along the way. I remember after being diagnosed and being on medication for about a month, I was driving and I just had this moment of feeling free. My brain wasn't racing. I was just calm. I was looking around, enjoying the scenery. I felt free. So in that moment, I was just so grateful that I had reached out for help. I like to share that story with people who are struggling because there really is hope even when you feel super hopeless. There's an entirely different way that you could be living your life that you have no idea about. So I definitely encourage you to reach out for help. I was listening to a doctor on a podcast talk the other day, and he said that he felt like there are four main ways to help if you're dealing with mental health struggles. One was physical exercise. I can attest to that. I know that when I'm moving my body, I definitely feel better. The second one is talk therapy. And now that I think about it, maybe I didn't even need talk therapy with a professional, but I definitely talked to friends or family members who are going through the same thing. Talking about it does help. Um, Three was medication and four was meditation, yoga, mindfulness, any sort of calming activity that helps you practice mindfulness and quiet the mind. And I will be the first to admit that my anxiety and OCD are not cured. I don't think there really is a cure. I think there's a lot of ways to help manage it. But you always kind of have to be on top of it. And when my life is particularly stressful, like right now I've got 35 kids preparing for a national international pageant, I have to stay on top of it. So a couple of things that have helped me, like I mentioned, talking to friends or other people who get it, journaling, praying, breathing exercises, watching funny shows. I watch The Office literally every night as my lullaby to fall asleep. And it's soothing. I know exactly what's going to happen. And it just makes me feel happy. Another thing that I've done before is actually get help on betterhelp.com. It's basically like psychologist, therapist, on demand. I literally filled out a survey and then within a few hours, they had a therapist for me and we met online and talked. And this was particularly to deal with the traumatic situation of my dad and my sister having strokes this past winter, but... It definitely was about anxiety and OCD things as well. So betterhelp.com, I couldn't believe it. Literally, I had a therapist that was great for me, that really matched my personality in a few hours. I am fortunate and was fortunate that I was in a position to pay for this off the bat and get these services right away. But I do believe that they offer financial help as well. Of course, another way to get help is through dialing 988. It's the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Again, my biggest tip is just to reach out, starting to get the help that you desire. 
You can call different mental health providers. You could even start by just seeing your regular physician and they can point you in the right direction. For me, I literally just looked up mental health providers online and that's where I found Prairie Care. They have a few locations. I liked what they talked about and they were taking new clients. That's another tough thing. A lot of these places are not taking new patients. So be patient with yourself and do your best to call around and ask where you can find the help that you do need. There's a lot of free resources online and reach out to anyone who cares. Never be embarrassed. There are so many people struggling with things that we would have no idea about. One little thing I love is that a lot of pageant girls now have mental health as their platforms. So any of those pageant girls reach out to them. They'd be honored to talk to you about their journey, about what helped them and to give you a little help or guidance. One of those pageant girls happens to be my awesome client, Natalia. She's fantastic, and I did a little interview with her, so you'll hear her responses next. Hey, Natalia, thank you for being here. Tell us a little bit about your mental health journey. I was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder when I was seven years old, and it took control of all aspects of my life. OCD has to do with an overactive amygdala that controls the fear system in our brains. It's kind of like living 24-7 with an unwanted bully inside your head. So instead of being excited for things like my birthday or Christmas, I lived in constant fear and anxiety about getting sick. I didn't tell my parents about this, but I was fortunate that my mom recognized some of my symptoms because then I was able to get treatment, which involved exposure therapy and a lot of hard work. How do you cope with your anxiety, OCD, or low self-esteem? I didn't ask for my OCD, but since I do have it, it's my responsibility to manage it. I've learned several strategies that I use. For anxiety, I use different breathing techniques. Staying really hydrated and drinking lots of water is also key to helping reduce anxiety. Mental health is a flaw in chemistry, so for my OCD, it's really important that I get good sleep because it's harder to fight the OCD when I'm tired. People living with mental health challenges are working twice as hard as the average person each day because managing their brains consumes so much energy. For things like low self-esteem, I have other strategies such as daily affirmations, and I also use a gratitude journal. I'm trying to turn my OCD into a positive, obtaining confidence daily, but that requires intentional effort and practice. What advice do you have for others who are struggling with their own mental health? First, I want them to know that they are not alone. About 2.2 million Americans have obsessive compulsive disorder, and there are many more kids, teens, and adults living with other types of mental health challenges. Second, I want them to know that it's okay not to be okay. The stigmas around mental health are incorrect, and the way we change them is by talking openly and honestly about our realities. Third, I was too embarrassed or ashamed to say anything at first about what I was experiencing. Now I've learned that it is a sign of strength, not weakness, to ask for help. How can other people find help? The National Alliance on Mental Illness, or NAMI, is a great resource. You can go to www.nami.org or call the NAMI helpline at 800-950-6264 to learn more about what services and supports are available in your community. And of course, if you or someone you know is struggling or in crisis, you can call or text 988 right away. That is the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Anything else you'd like to share? 
Confidence isn't something you have, it's something you create. One of the things that has been really helpful for me is surrounding myself with positive and uplifting youth and adults, like you, Mary. For more strategies and helpful ideas, you can also follow me on Instagram, at NataliaOCDQueen. Awesome. Thank you so much to Natalia for sharing her words of wisdom. Again, you can follow her at NataliaOCDQueen, N-A-T-A-L-I-A, O-C-D-Q-U-E-E-N on Instagram. A big sister shout out to Natalia. Thanks for all your help. And another sister shout out to a girl named Rachel. Her name's Rachel Slauson. On Instagram, you can follow her at Salty Rachel. She is very open, very vulnerable with her own mental health struggles. I look up to her. I think she's got a lot of really great messages and she's super inspiring. And the pageant community and others will remember that very sadly, Chesley Christ, who is a former Miss USA, died by suicide this past year. It really shook the pageant community and the world. She was such a beautiful light. She was successful. She, you know, seemed to have everything going for her. And even the most successful people struggle with these things. I remember that day. It it hit me really hard when she passed away. I, I don't have a personal relationship with her, but we all felt it. And hopefully we can have a lot less of those situations in the future. Into our quotable quotes section, I have a quote from Kerry Washington. I think it's really important to take the stigma away from mental health. My brain and my heart are really important to me. I don't know why I wouldn't seek help to have those things be as healthy as my teeth. Isn't that true? And another quote by Fred Rogers, anything that's human is mentionable and anything that is mentionable can be more manageable. When we talk about our feelings, they become less overwhelming, less upsetting, and less scary. I know the topic today was pretty deep, but I want to lighten the mood a little bit with a new section of our podcast called Q&A. So basically, I opened it up to my clients and anyone following me on social media to ask any sort of pageant, dance, whatever type of question for me. And I got a lot of good ones. So I'll start with a few today. This first one is a really good one. It says, what's the most surprising thing you wish you had known five or 10 years ago about running your business? So as much as I am proud that I put my heart behind my business, I wish I knew to keep my heart a little bit guarded. For a long time, my personal life and my work life were blended and I was a workaholic and I kept my feelings really closely tied with my work. So if I have another female entrepreneur out there or any entrepreneur, I would suggest keeping your heart a little bit separate from your business and realizing that your family and your friends and your health and your outside life outside of work is still very, very important. (laughs) My nurse practitioner that I would talk to about my OCD and anxiety meds, she always kept saying to me, when are you going to work on work-life balance? And I I thought I did have that. Uh, I was completely wrong. This past year was my first year taking one day off each week, like pretty religiously not working on Mondays. And then this summer, late this summer, I started to try and take off Sundays and Mondays. It is a beautiful thing. I never knew how much I could enjoy it and appreciate it and be rejuvenated from it. So yes, there's so much heart and passion behind everything that I do in my business, but I need to protect my heart and that would be my advice for others as well. Next question says, after someone is crowned, what should they be doing around the community, state, country, world? 
Well, that's a great question. And I love the intention because it tells me that you are going to be an active title holder. That's a big pet peeve of mine and probably other pageant girls when girls aren't actively using their title and engaging. I think a title holder should be doing at least two to three appearances a month. So that could be volunteer things, parades, whatnot. I think they should be posting on social media at least twice a week. And individual pageant systems have different requirements. But to me, being an active title holder is important. It can be small appearances, like maybe you went and volunteered at your church fall festival. It could be a large appearance where you were a greeter at a huge gala. You could go to Feed My Starving Children and pack meals for three hours. It can be anything, but most titles you get one year. So you want to look back at that year and think, I am proud of what I did accomplish. But for me, a good rule of thumb is two to three appearances a month, which could be voluntary events as well, and posting on your social media two or three times a week. I love this next question. It says, is competing in several systems a year too much? And is holding several titles at once inconsiderate? Well, first and foremost, you want to look at the rules. So if your pageant has a non-compete contract or it says you can't compete, in other pageants, of course you should follow that. Now, on my side, my girls love pageants. We love competing. We love doing our sport. And it's tough if you only get to be get to participate in one a year. So in that regard, I am for girls trying other pageant systems and girls trying more than one pageant a year. I think you want to kind of keep that under control. Like for my niece, I don't have a daughter, but I use my niece as an example. She typically does one or two pageants a year. I think it's plenty. Now, I know that there's, in other states, there's a lot of like small, fun, weekend, non-commitment type pageants. Awesome. I wish we had more of those in Minnesota. But I'd say one or two big ones a year is a good amount. Typically, there isn't a non-compete contract at the regional or state level. However, most national pageants, if you win a national or an international title, you'll be expected to just represent that pageant system for a whole year. And I mean, of course. And do I think holding more than one title at a time is inconsiderate? Not necessarily. Again, because I feel like this is our sport. We love competing. And as long as you feel like you can do your duties that every title is requiring of you. Now, this is a pet peeve. I don't like when girls will wear both banners to an appearance or they'll take one picture with their banner for one system and then take it off and take another picture with the other banner for the other system. I think that can be a little bit tacky. I would say do different appearances for each of your title. Um, but as long as you can fulfill the requirements and you're still posting on social media, you're still promoting the platform, your platform, you're still promoting that pageant system. I think it's okay. Now, some directors might feel otherwise, and I would say you can always ask them their feelings. It's certainly not harmful to ask them what they think. I do also think it's very polite if you currently have a title and you plan to do another pageant to inform them or let them know or say, hey, I'm looking at this. What do you think of this pageant system? Is it okay if I do this? Um, let me know what your thoughts are. Now, I would absolutely hesitate and discourage you from doing a pageant that you would have to drop a title if you were to win this new title. To me, that's not fair to anybody. That's not fair to the girls that you competed with. And it's not doing yourself or the title or the pageant system justice. That's more food for thought. If you're just doing a pageant to collect the crowns, maybe don't do it because there's other girls who are doing the pageant because they really would like to represent that title. I do think that there are some systems that carry a little bit more weight with them and they are very prestigious and I would give more time to them. Like for instance, if my niece were to win a NAM state title, I probably would not have her do another 
pageant during that year. Um, however, you can. It's not against the state regulations. But if she were to win a national title, she for sure could not. So again, it's usually the national title that doesn't have a non-compete contract. It's a tough thing to call because, you know, most girls know, oh, I'm probably not going to win at nationals. So they they want to compete and they wouldn't have to l risk losing their other title by winning that national title. I realize that sounded super confusing, but uh, it's a fine line between it's a hobby. It's a sport. We love to compete and the chances just don't come around that often. But also we want to be super respectful and thankful to the pageant system that we're representing. And lastly, the question is, what is, in your opinion, the most important part of preparing for a pageant? Well, if we're talking about competitions, I'm going to have to say hands down interview. I coach for all areas of competition, but I definitely specialize in interview with a lot of people. And I have a communications degree and I have lots of great ways to teach interview. And it, it is super important. There's a saying that says pageants are one in the interview room. Now, another important part would be your mental preparation. If you're not feeling confident, if you're not feeling sure of yourself, good luck at the pageant. It's tough. Um, here's a really good little story I like to share with my clients. At a pageant, you might all of a sudden feel like you're surrounded by sharks. Well, in that moment, you need to realize, hey, I'm a shark too. Do not lower yourself down to guppy status. Continue being the sharkiest shark you can possibly be. So yeah, pageants, you're going to be around a lot of amazing girls. Celebrate them, lift them up, compliment them, think they're awesome, but don't forget that you are awesome too and you're a shark as well. So having mental toughness and being mentally prepared and confident in your abilities is hugely important. I also like to say preparation breeds confidence. So when you're properly prepared, you're practicing, you're working with your pageant coach, you're going to feel a lot better going into that pageant. Thank you all so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Please continue to like, share, subscribe. You can follow me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook at Confidence and Poise. Confidence and Poise is all spelled out. And if you'd like to reach me via email, it's confidenceandpoise1 at gmail.com, the number one. All right, guys. Thanks so much. I can't wait to see how this day gets better.